Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to episode 74 of Double Hop Beat, where we take the pulse of the beer and brewing scene. I'm James, a home brewer and beer enthusiast. And I'm Shannon, a beer intermediate. We are back we from are back, guys. a little break, you know, because life happens and we went it's on vacation. It's summertime. <laughs> we need to enjoy ourselves, too, and, you know, have a good time, try some new beers and maybe brew something. I don't know. Yeah, so we went... On a little vacation to Cape Cod, and we checked out some breweries. I got to go to a winery, which I know some of our listeners are probably like, ugh, wine. but Like me. Yeah. <laughs> but I was excited to uh, have some wines, my other favorite drink. Your other favorite <laughs> drink, other than seltzers and water? Yeah, and good beer. And beer. It's a beer podcast, James. All right. Uh, and just James, being on, just being honest, just James being honest. was also, you made two new beers. We helped our friends hook up their kegerator that has been in a box for two and a half years. So we, uh, we made things happen. We're movers and shakers. And I guess everyone's like, well, that was the quickest episode that Double Hop Recap. Ever done. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. Catch you on the brew side. James, you also have tried your tap cooler counter pressure bottle filler. That is a long Title slash description. And I think you said that same comment when we I briefly talked about it in our listen, last episode. Listen, I don't remember what I say when I say it. <laughs> it's life is. I mean, you're the one who hurts. hits the button. You're, you're hitting record. So it's on there for those okay. who want to catch up on the last <laughs> episode. But yeah, so I last time I mentioned that I got a brew gadget that Shannon was not aware of until I got it. That was the tap cooler counter pressure bottle filler, as Shannon mentioned. The TCPBF. Yeah. That's such a cooler name that she probably I feel just, like that takes just as long to say. Yeah, it does. I well, think I think the acronyms doesn't go there anymore. Yeah. I work for a company that loves acronyms, so Of course you do. Well, how'd it go? Well, you've, tried, it went you've used well. it a couple times. Yeah, right? it has really good results. It's super fast to hook up. So I was just able to literally just hook it right up to my draft system and literally just goes into the faucet. And I just have a CO2 tank that just has the regulator and a quick disconnect on it. And I just plop that onto the tap cooler, counter pressure filler, and I'm good to go. And literally I'm able to purge um, the air out of bottles, out of cans, out of growlers. And then mm-hmm. I'm just, able, the nice thing about it is like it has an extendable, like the wand part of it. Like you can make it short. So it's like, you know, the size of maybe like a, a cup or you can extend it all the way out that it works great for growlers even. The only thing that I found with it is the top for it is meant for bottles. So it kind of like gives a good seal on top of a mm-hmm. regular sized, you know, 12 ounce bottle. And so you know, it covers the whole top of the bottle. But again, like if you just hold it over the opening of the growler or the cans, it still does its purpose of purging that air out of whatever container you're trying to get in. And what that really does, it really allows for the beer that's coming out of your draft system to really stay nice and carbonated and not get what most people have happened or what happened to me. And the biggest reason why I wanted this was you'd get flat beers, even though you have nice carbonated beer in your kegs on Mm -hmm. your draft system. And again, being lazy, this is the quickest. I just pop it on there. It literally takes less than two minutes to set up. And again, not endorsing this by any means, but I've used it now multiple times and had good results. And I think it's worth, worth getting. Okay. So you're 
You're giving it a thumbs up. I'm giving it a thumbs up. Okay, great. You also mentioned CO2. And that made me think of a story that I read today about how there's a CO2 shortage now. And some breweries are having to suspend operations and or close because, yet again, another thing impacting the craft beer industry. First, it was the aluminum cans. Now it's the price of barley and the CO2 shortage. So I was reading today, actually, one of our local breweries, Night Shift, which is in Everett, Massachusetts, has had to suspend operations at their, their basically their flagship location in Everett and having to use their smaller locations in other areas. Yeah, this is one it's of those crazy. things where I'm so glad I'm a home brewer at this point because I just literally filled up six CO2 tanks. Um, so I had it. And then blame, like, blame told, James. Yeah, blame me. I'm hoarding CO2. No, <laughs> Just I, like toilet I need paper. I have them all hooked up. They're all being used. No, but the home brewer on the home brewer scale, at least in Massachusetts, it hasn't really hit us yet. And I'm not sure that it's going to. But on the craft brewery side, the amount of volume and amount of CO2 that they need to actually keep production going is substantial in comparison with a home brewer who's at most probably mm-hmm. using a five pound CO2 tank or a two and a half pound CO2 tank for those with us just a one keg kegerator that will last them through a couple kegs as long as there's no leaks. And I'm talking about that because our brewery friends that we had met at Knockabout, as Shannon mentioned earlier in the episode, we had helped them set up their kegerator and their keg did not last that long. Not from leaks, but because it was drank too soon. In like 24 hours. It was like 24 hours. And I was very... I was like overprotective of like checking for leaks because I'm like when I first started and I got my first kegerator, I followed all the directions, but I didn't check for leaks and I blew through like three CO2 tanks on one keg, not realizing that, oh, wait, like it's a system like it can leak and then where to look. And so that's just if you're thinking about getting a kegerator, definitely follow the directions of whatever kegerator you get, but then check all the connection points on that CO2 using your sanitizer, even like a soapy solution. I mean, if it bubbles, you might got a leak and just probably needs to be tightened or put some tape on it, like some um, plumber's tape, they call it. Mm -hmm. And you can fix those leaks. So you don't, especially now in a CO2 shortage. Yeah, you don't want to contribute to that shortage by draining your tanks and you have to keep buying more. But I just feel like it's, it's kind of a sad little kind of straw that broke the camel's back because is this the thing that's going to bring down a lot of craft breweries because they've been struggling so much with all of the other shortages and inflation and price hikes and supply chain. Yeah. I, and, you know, I, I really hope it it's kind of the, the last straw in a way of that, you know, things start to get back to normal for them. Again, normal for craft brewers, it's kind of like a, nuance where there's never been a normal time for craft breweries because you're always dealing with some something going on whether it's well again pandemic or new regulations well, yeah that's what i'm saying trying like, to get you know your town to agree to extra parking or there's always something that where everyone's like well you're a home brewer why don't you open a craft brewery and this is just another reason why of I don't want to open a craft brewery at this point because at this present time and Shannon's going to be like, I'll quote you if you ever open one (laughs) and say like, you will never open one. 10 days from now, James will be on Instagram. Surprise. (laughs) I'm opening a brewery. Yeah. Surprise. I I like the odds. I like the negative odds. Yeah. I'm just saying that a lot of craft breweries have faced so much adversity over the past few years, especially with the pandemic and trying to stay open and 
going to carry out only or delivery services and trying to have to just pivot and rethink their business models. And then CO2 is what's going to bring down your business. Like, it's just so crazy. Yeah, it's like, how are you going to MacGyver, like, a CO2 shortage? You know, like, dealing with regulations, you can yeah, figure, and you can't, you can like, be clever and trying to figure out ways that you can be safe and uh, to open new avenues, whether it's how they broke out with curbside, which is awesome, or home deliveries, or... I mean, you can't do any of that unless you, you have CO2. Exactly. It's, it's unless they come up with, like, an earth-friendly, like, alternative to CO2 for beer, which yeah, would probably make your be beer totally smell different. horrible because it's run off of, like, Dinosaur poop or something. <laughs> dinosaur poop. Dinosaur poop. Although, isn't that uh, what coal beer? is? I don't know. Yeah. It's fossil fuel, Shannon. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, well, I'm... Beer will be charged electronically. Exactly, yeah. Through be, um, uh, some battery-powered... Plug-in carbonators. Plug-in, plug-in beers. Yeah. Minus the CO2. Well, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Yeah, and, ho- and hopefully I feel for all the, the employees out there. I'm not just the founders of these crappers because they're usually the people that you know will be let go because of just for cost reasons mm-hmm. so hope all you brew tenders out there and brewers and assistant brewers and packing seller sellermen everyone's uh can mm-hmm. hang in there and hang tight yeah definitely so on a little lighter note we went on vacation and we got to yeah, go back, back, the co2 short back to back to our vacation well, I'm just saying. I mean, no, I know. I mean, we damn, we started on like a we negative We don't want to dwell on. Man, I need a beer now. You already have one. I know. What, well, I guess I should ask you, what are you drinking then? I'm drinking resin IPA From? and it's six point. And this is like a very piney IPA, one it's of my piney. favorites. And it's also a tall boy. It's, I th- think it's really funny that, that you can get it in a tall boy because. Yeah, because it's a 9.1%. So this resin it's just very piney. I highly recommend it by Six Point Brewery. And again, the descriptions just ring true. And they're out of Brooklyn, New York. Dank, hop candy, Stop. blast off. Yeah. Hop candy? Hop candy. That's what it okay. says on the can. Okay. Well, I could have told you it's going to be piney when the name was resin. Yes. Very good. So good creativity there. Wow. Wow. Shane's <laughs> shitting on my IPA here. I don't think so. Is it a national IPA day today? Yes, it is. That's why I'm drinking an IPA, <laughs> Shannon. Thank you for reminding me. I always have to be the devil's advocate. Especially on national IPA day. Yes, exactly. So we did go and take some time and relax and spend James as crinkling as can because everyone loves to hear crinkled cans. Yeah, for those ASMR like, fans out there. She, we were just laughing because Shin, Shin was like, we were just watching some glass blowing show. Blown away. Okay. Check well, it out on Netflix. Well, I don't need to plug a blown away show, but unless you're blown away with this IPA. <laughs> but they, this, one of the contestants was doing ASMR theme, spoiler alert, and Shin's like, what's ASMR? No, I knew what ASMR okay. was. You I didn't thought, know what it was. I thought you didn't know what it was. No, I did. Okay. James is going to do some crinkle can ASMR. <laughs> no, we don't. Not I, really. No, not really. So we got to go to a couple of breweries we had visited in the past but haven't been back to for a while. And then James and I got to check out Aquatic Brewing, which was a new endeavor that opened in 2020, which we did not make it to last year. So we were glad we were able to get there this year. What was your take on that, James? Well, I think without really knowing, I just drove drove Shannon there and I was like hey we're at Aquatic Brewing and so she's like all right go in check it out again we had our daughter with us it was also hot and my sister was with us 
Yeah. And so she's like, well, check it, check it out if it's too hot in there. A lot of breweries are brewing today and I don't know if we'd be able to go in there because it's very hot and it smells like, it smells like, it smells, it smells like grape nuts. I did not sound like that. No, I'm I'm just doing a voice of a lot of people during that day that were just like, it's so hot out. It's summertime and I can't drink a beer. Okay. I'm going to have my hard seltzer instead. Okay. And I think that's the opposite of what would happen, but okay. Yeah. Anyway, great vibe inside. Again, it was a smaller tap room, but I instantly like loved the place because it just kind of reminded me of our home brewery in a sense of a lot of the equipment, you know, how it was organized with all the gaskets and extra fittings and everything was just very well organized. They had a larger version of what we have for our pulley system to lift up our grain. So it was kind of like a cool like present, you know, like you could tell that they were probably a home brewer before. And so I got to talk to Greg, who is the co-owner of Aquatic Brewing, and he was serving the beers. And I just think that's like an amazing aspect of when you have the owner that's there, that's invested in part of the brew process as well. And just a brief background, they had opened in 2020. And so they had a really rough time. And I guess recently they've just been really opening their tap room and getting you know awareness out there of hey we have a tapper mountain falmouth come see us and again their branding is amazing i i love their logo i love the background story that they they both were into oceanography and they're also homebrewers at the massachusetts institute of technology and i just like bought i was like bought in and of course, you have to have good beers. Um, you can't just have everything else. You can't just have this good store. You can't just have the good branding. And I was blown away at how good their beers were. And actually, they didn't do flights, but they did, I believe it was six-ounce pours. I think it was six-ounce pours. I think so. And so I, of course, had to get all three IPAs that they had at the time, Mr. Land. And my favorite, which was the the Planktos New England style IPA, where they have a massive amount of dry hop, Medusa, Mosaic, and Citra cryo hops in it. And that's what gives it its crazy hop flavor. And you even get some guava flavor in there in the aroma that you get when you drink it. And it's just it's just a perfect blend of like a New England style IPA. And like I like the Pioneer Dank IPAs. It wasn't dank or piney, but it was close enough for as as far as a New England IPA goes. So you're thinking juicy, um, but again, Whirlpool is where they probably added these hops, which really makes the aroma stand out in that beer. So that was my favorite that they had there. I know they had a hibiscus farmhouse ale, but I didn't get to try that. Aronax was the other New England IPA that I really liked. Aronax. And that had my favorite hops, Citra and Eldorado. I don't know why I said Eldorado <laughs> like that. Like, you're really excited about Eldorado. I was. It's just makes me think of Desperado. But that's just me and my association. Yeah, so I think it was it was a good a good place to check out. Definitely smaller on the smaller side. And it's more of like a go there, hang out with friends, enjoy beer. There's not a lot of other you know, there's not like cornhole and food yeah. trucks and things like that. It's just a very nice, down to earth, chill spot. Yeah, especially if you're in Falmouth or you're taking a vacation down the Cape. I think it's definitely a stopping point that you want to make. And again, it's very close to, again, Shannon went to the Cape Cod winery. 
for the first time. I did. It was very exciting. How was that? Again, everyone's like, wait, didn't you go with her? And it's like, no, she went with the girls. She had some girl time. Yes. Meanwhile, me and my dad and, and, our, and our daughter, and our daughter. went to uh, Bad Martha Brewing, yeah. which we've been to before in Falmouth. But literally, Bad Martha Brewing and Cape Cod Winery are less than a minute, two minutes. They're, they're I mean, I'm obviously shortening the time a little bit, but it's pretty much on the same street, I want to say, like five, ten minutes. It's like maybe like three or four minutes. Yeah. yeah. Not that far. Again, I don't know time. I don't know space. I just see a brewery <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's close enough. But again, and if, falls on his face. that's like a good vacation tip of like if someone's only likes winery and someone else likes breweries, you can do both. Yeah. And I mean, I've been to Bad Martha before and I do like their stuff, but I really wanted to try to branch out and try something new. So we went to Cape Cod Winery and for anybody who also loves wine and not just beer, and you're going to be down the Cape, I would recommend checking it out. They've got Riesling, Chardonnay, Rosé, hey. Um, <laughs> and they have a couple, I think there's a Sauvignon Blanc and a Cab, I believe. And they do do wine flights, which is nice. And there's always a food truck. They've got a little shop that's that's cute. And there's sand sculptures. And it, there's actually grapes growing there, which is, I feel like, for... Cape Cod, like I know um, Truro Vineyards has their grapes growing at their location as well, but a couple other wineries on the Cape don't actually have grapes growing and have the vines in the actual vineyard you can look at. So it was nice to to kind of check out something new that we haven't been to before. So I recommend it. The whole time you were saying grapes, I was just picturing the stomping on grapes video. Oh my gosh. Lady stomping grapes. Yes. If you guys have not seen that video <laughs> from like 2007. Flashback. You should definitely Google lady stomping grapes and I promise you. Go to the bathroom first because you could pee your pants. Wow. That's a weird uh, public announcement. There. I'm not saying I did that. I'm oh, okay. Saying. I was like, uh. I'm just saying. Sometimes you just laugh too hard. Okay. <laughs> but check it out. So do that, I guess. And then we also went back to our old stomping grounds. Knockabout. But so for the winery, uh, oh, any tips? Are you like, done about the winery? Well, no. Sure? I'm just saying because when I showed up at the winery... There was like nobody there and it well, was nice, right? Like you, it almost felt like you were on a private vineyard, like enjoying the nice weather. Was it, it was a weekday, I believe. It was a Thursday. So again, it was a Thursday, again, peak season in July. Yes, but it was also 90 degrees outside. So if you <laughs> want a private-ish experience at a winery, make sure it's hot as hell outside. Yes. It's There's no during the shade. week. There's no shade. You're just going to go for and it. And the frosé is half off. The so. frosé, yes. They're slushies. They're booze slushies. Yeah, it was frozen rosé. And it oh, was half frose. off. Oh, it was called frosé. Yeah, it's I can't called frosé. So I'm glad I didn't go because I yeah. would have been like, I'll take the frosé. And they'd be like, all right, dude, we can't serve you. You're obnoxious. Yeah. Yeah, and they do, when you do the f wine flight, you get a wine glass. Um, the Frosé cups are there. They're like those reusable plastic ones, but they're not like just like regular solo. They're like the ones you can get branded yeah. off Etsy and stuff. So And they make a good mimosa too. I had a mimosa. Yeah, they had other mixed drinks. Yeah, I would say just keep in mind that there is like a tent when you first get there. You can sit if you want shade. But other than that, there's mostly just umbrellas around the different seating areas and the tables oh also if you do go at like night and it's a little chilly they do have the heaters on the like the fire pits on the picnic, ta nice. picnic table so um, that's a nice little added touch but we were 
It was definitely not a day for fire. We were on fire. It was so <laughs> hot out. But we did not light a fire. Yeah. My skin was on fire. Yeah, it was pretty hot at Bad Martha too. But ba- Bad Martha was brewing on that day mm-hmm. that I went. Aquatic Brewing had just pre- like previously like finished brewing for the day. So we just seemed to hit all the breweries right after they brewed. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but going back to Knockabout, one of our stomping grounds, must stop when you go to the Cape, and yeah. it's like one of the first destinations. I you had can my hit. Dunes of the Cape. Nice. The milkshake IPA. You did. I did. And out of my usual IPAs, Quitting Time. I just love the name Quitting Time. Quitting Time. <laughs> when it's okay. really like quitting time, but it's like quitting, like they spell it without the G, so I just say quitting time. Yeah, that's how other people say oh, it. Oh, okay. Too. All right. Well, <laughs> good. Then I'm not a weirdo. And Shannon's like questionable. <laughs> I mean, that like yes and no, but I'm <laughs> And so, um, of course, making friends with the, the brew tender. And not only was he the brew tender, but he was telling me, uh, shout out to Cameron. He's the assistant brewer at Knockabout. And again, he was a home brewer and he basically just loved Knockabout's beer and he just bugged them until they let him uh, work there. And so he was kind of telling me on how, like, I was talking about how hot it was, like the weather. Of course, we're in New England and we complain about, you know, the cold. I was the not, hot. I mean, okay, I guess I just complained about being hot, <laughs> but I also love the heat. So when my skin's not on fire, I don't complain about it. It's funny because like one of my pet peeves is people just like talking about the weather and being like, oh, the rain. Did you, how about that? And now you're the, the dad. Who's and now like, I'm oh, the freaking dad. That's like, I got to put my fertilizer down. It's going to rain in 10 minutes. Yeah. And oh, got to yeah, hop gotta on gotta the tractor. Hey, well, when there's a drought. You take every advantage of rainfall. Okay. When you live somewhere where everyone cares about their lawn. Okay. Can't have the squiggle lawn of no, <laughs> no, no grass. <laughs> okay. But it's been hot, and they've have some. Yeah, so it's been there's hot. been difficulties. So I was explaining how, like, oh, do you have any like difficulties brewing in this kind of heat? Like, is it because on a homebrew scale, I know when I'm brewing in the summer, um, sometimes getting my water temps to you know where I can get when I have my wort. So sometimes when I have my brewing wort, trying to get it down to fermentation temperature before I pitch my yeast. I know sometimes it can take a little bit, even with a plate chiller, to try and get that temp down to where you can actually pitch your yeast. So Cameron was explaining that they were having to troubleshoot because the town water, luckily, was still within the range they needed to be, but they were running it through, you know, their chillers and everything, and they were still struggling to get down. So they almost lost a batch because of the heat, but they were able to troubleshoot it and get it so that they were able to pitch that yeast and get it all nice and beautiful. And I'm like, thank God, because <laughs> I'm going to drink all your beer and we're going to need that batch. Yeah. So I think we had a good, a good week filled of beer, new wine adventures. Yeah. I also <laughs> almost crashed like a private party where they had the oh, food truck the about, for yeah. the food truck. And again, I'm like, I was fine, but you know, I had to see what you know, Shannon wanted for food and what, the, you know, our brewing friends with us, what they wanted for food. So I'm like, oh, the food truck had arrived because we got to the brewery right when they opened. We we're those people sitting <laughs> in, we we're in the, with a those baby. people sitting in the car with our baby, just like, all right, like, should we wait? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. It's 11 o'clock. Not, it's 11 o'clock. Let's go <laughs> knock on the brewery's door. Um, 
No, we weren't. <laughs> but so, I mean, we were like the second group. Yeah, but it was only because we were hitting it on our way back, heading yeah, home yeah. from vacation, and we were... We got you know, kicked out of the house. We got kicked out of the house. Go somewhere. I had to go somewhere. So I went out of brewery. And again, celebrating our friendship with the, those friends that we met at Knockabout. Our Knockiversary. A Knockiversary, as we're calling <laughs> it. <laughs> and... Again, if I wasn't an outspoken person and our brewery friend Shara wasn't outspoken, we would never have made that connection had we not admired each other's flights with IPAs. Shan still shakes her head being like, I told you not to say anything. (laughs) Now it sounds like I don't want to be friends with them. (laughs) No. I'm sure sure Kurt was the same way, nudging Shara. Probably. Yeah. He's like, now we're stuck with these people. But hey, now he's like, thank God you talked to that guy because now we got a kegerator and we got draft beer. True that. True that. So yeah, it was pretty cool getting to talk to another person who had their start in home brewing and just another piece out there. If you're a home brewer or thinking about getting into home brewing, you know, like you can't ask stupid questions and there's good chance or not someone at a craft brewery near you started the same way you did and had the same stupid questions that you think are stupid, but really they're just learning. And yep. I still have many stupid questions. So I have even more stupid questions. So. Like what? Well, I'll read this second. Oh, okay. I, th- I thought you were general. segueing into another uh, a stupid homebrewing question or something. No, but I should start thinking of some. <laughs> okay. No. But I guess we can that we can roll into you ma- recently made your own wine. I did because we ain't getting away from the wine, folks. So, yeah, uh, James got me a Riesling kit for my birthday. So very exciting. I did that on my birthday. It's a birthday wine. And it was, it was pretty simple. And we had all, almost everything that we needed besides the kit and the corking bottling instruments here. So a lot of the, you know, the carboy and well, you got me the carboy, but we could have used another vessel that you have here to ferment if we needed to, or to clear if we needed to. But so, I mean, I feel like making wine was a little s- simpler for me than making beer because it's not as involved. I'm sure once you get into more complicated types of wine, it gets a little bit more involved and there's different steps, but the Riesling was a pretty straightforward recipe and I didn't have to stomp the grapes. So there was no incident. <laughs> I was I was waiting for the stomping of the grapes. Yeah, there was no incident. So basically all you need is the kit with the ingredients and that comes with the clearing agents. Um, it comes with the juice and it comes with the bentonite that you need to add in the very first step so it comes with all that um, you need a carboy either glass or plastic james nicely got me my own carboy which then my daughter stole and wanted to play with so i had to sanitize it very well yeah i mean she's pretty strong i have to admit yeah, she was really excited about that carboy <laughs> well it's plastic don't worry folks and again, not a glass one this is like one around. of those things where a lot of homebrew shops also sell wine making kits and again, I had previously asked, you know, have you made some of these wines like in the kits? How are the kits? Because, you know, on any even beer ingredient kit, you're it's only going to come mm-hmm. out as good as the, the kits can yeah. potentially be. And then you're it's on you to make sure you have good sanitization and basically following the directions to get it to the point yeah. of what it's intended to be. So you also need airlock, the bung for the airlock, a six-gallon bucket for primary fermentation, and which we just use one of your brew buckets. Yep. Uh, wine corker, corks, glass wine bottles, obviously. I mean, you could just drink it out of the bucket if you wanted to, but 
you know, it's nicer to give us gifts. <laughs> James is looking at me like someone, only a crazy person would do that. But I mean, we've all been to college. I could just see Anyways. Shannon like buying a huge fridge and just putting the huge carboy in and like siphoning it out just and just gonna, having yeah, one little... auto stop on mm-hmm. there and just ta- having wine on tap. Yeah, yep, exactly. And then an auto siphon, a long seamless spoon, a hydrometer and sanitizer. So again, a lot of these things, uh, if your homebrewers out there, you have around already. So again, like if you're looking to get into winemaking in your state, or just if you have a significant other that prefers drinking wine, you know, it's a great bridge between getting them involved in something you like to do if you're a homebrewer and something they could enjoy. So I know for Shannon, she loves drinking Riesling wine and it's the one style that she really likes for wine. So I was like, you know what? Let's pair the two together. She's a home brewer, and now she can try her hand in wine. Yeah, and like I said, it was simpler than I thought it was going to be. Basically, just a quick recap, because obviously this is not a wine podcast, but wanted to just share my experience with everyone. So it's essentially dissolving the bentonite in warm water in the bucket that you're going to ferment in, and then it is adding the juice, stirring. Very important. Yes, there's a lot of stirring involved in this process. Just heads up, people. Uh, so you stir it some more, and then you have to stir it enough to get the gravity up, the starting gravity up to where you need it to be, which was um, needed to be between 0.99 and 1.02, and or one point no, sorry, 1.29, and my starting gravity was 1.09. So after I stirred my little arms out. I was able to get the proper starting gravity and then you pitch your yeast and you put on the top, you put the airlock in and you wait for it for a Let it do its magic. Yeah. And, and you again, lo- just like beer, like you want to oxygenate your wort when you're yeah. done with it to make sure that the yeast can have, has that food that it needs to uh, go ahead. And yeah. And just it. like, just like homebrewing temperature is very important. So you have to keep it elevated for 15 days in a space that is 68 to 77 degrees Fahrenheit, because that obviously is great for fermentation for that flocculation. Flocculation. What up? Um, There's like flocculation on steroids because it's wine and it's the ABV is. Yes. So after it is done fermenting for 15 days, then we transferred it to the carboy and we use the auto siphon for that. And then we have to degas it, which, spoiler alert, is another five minutes of vigorous stirring. Vigorous Vigorous stirring. stirring. So I will, um, after my brief description, I'm going to get into like something I would have done differently for the next time. Uh, and then you add some clearing agents, and then you just let it clear for 20 days. Again, in an elevated area, this time in an environment that is 59 to 66 degrees Fahrenheit. So cooler than the fermentation period. And then after it's cleared, you want to make sure it's crystal clear. You can see through it. Like I took a picture of my face on the other side. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, <laughs> what in the world is this picture? Uh, just make sure it's clear enough, you know? See my beautiful face in the wine. <laughs> Do you want to see that picture? Uh, direct message us at no. Double Hot Beat Podcast and I'll make it happen. It's no. really hilarious. No. And then you, we bottle it up. So we use the auto siphon again. Or no, sorry, we didn't use the auto siphon. We used the bottle filler. So we hooked it up. We siphoned it back into... The brew bucket that had the the spigot yes the on the bottom. Thank you. I couldn't think of the word of spigot. Yep. And then we hooked the bottle fill up to that and filled up the bottles, corked them up, and that was then they're ready to go. 
ready to drink. So again, it sounds very complicated, but again, it's like following your steps of your recipe, just like with brewing. And again, the science behind it is very technical and it's very complicated, but it's in a way that an average person can follow it. And again, you've never made a wine before and you were able to produce a wine at the end of it. Yes, I will say, unlike James's first beer, this is drinkable. Ooh, ooh, where's the uh, button, the little thing with the, I don't know. I don't know what you're I guess we don't have a, a <laughs> boo uh, sound. Man, yeah, that so, was hard. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it is a Riesling. Like, I wouldn't be like, oh, this is a great Riesling. But it's it's drinkable. It's consumable. And I mean, it, I think it's lacking a little bit of sweetness. And it's not as dry as some... I mean, I'm not a big dry wine person to begin with, so I don't mind that it's not as dry. But it, it isn't as dry, I think, as it needs to be, yeah. so... But I think for a first attempt, it was pretty good. Next time, if I do it again, I had to use uh, the uh, the handle of James's long brewing spoon to do all my stirring. Yep. And which posed a couple of problems because obviously stirring vigorously for five minutes is a workout on your arm. So you get tired. So you might not stir as vigorously, as consistently as you should in order to degas the wine properly. So I think when I... At the finished product did have a little bit of a vinegar scent to it, not like overly not powery. Vinegar taste. Yeah, no vinegar taste, but it did. It you know it reminds me of an. I don't know if anybody else knows what I'm talking about, but when you dye Easter eggs and you make the little dye like cups, that's Ooh, what I it smells like I to me. I didn't get that. Oh well, it's just a little bit of hint of vinegar, but I mean that comes from either there's some contamination or something. Some step wasn't fully done because if it tastes like vinegar that's contamination that would be something with your cleaning yes but also with the stirring because i had to use the long handled spoon my hand was pretty much like in the carboy oh no because it i mean it wasn't like the openings not bigger for my hand to get in but i was pretty much like having to touch like the top a couple times because i had to stir you'd get down to the bottom but like the handle just fits down the bottom so if I were to do this again, I would probably look into one of those automatic stirs that you can get. You like attach it to the drill, like you're mixing some concrete, and then you. <laughs> what kind of wine are you making if it's like concrete? And that will, it makes it easier to do the the five minute degassing. Yeah, it literally looks like it's such a great tool. Is it's just literally a stainless shaft that goes down, and it's got two <laughs> two like triangular kind of looking paddles at the bottom and it as you do your drill it'll stir your Mm -hmm. solution yeah so i'd I'd probably if i was going to continue and make this a regular thing probably invest in one of those make it a little easier and then if i was to do the recent again i would probably add some sweetener at the end or or figure out some way you would back sweeten it yes you wouldn't add sweet yes that's what i mean yeah thank you for correcting my terminology james that's okay but I also just learned from talking at the homebrew shop that you can, after the fact, even though it's been bottled, if you take the cork off, you can add glycerin. Yeah, these corks are not coming off. Yeah. Until cool. I'm ready to drink it because I got those babies in there tight. <laughs> I got those babies in there tight. <laughs> okay. that's That seems like a t-shirt right there with a, <laughs> a cork, a bottled cork with your conical bottoms. Yes. Conical butt or whatever you Conical butt. So... <laughs> I'm not going to sit on my conical butt and drink some wine. Okay. <laughs> and stomp on some grapes. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
That's our next uh, next uh, competition is going to be stomping grapes. That's just my quick overview of my winemaking. So if anybody's interested in hearing more, feel free to direct message us. And the only other thing I could just think of, another issue or not issue that you had was it looked like fermentation had stalled and stopped and you just had to shake up. I had to. You just had to shake the. So after, yeah, after 24 hours, it had not started fermenting yet. And in that case, I did have to open it. So that could also have had some contamination. I had to open the lid and stir it up for a couple of minutes and then put it back on and fermentation started after that. So that's kind of one of the tips that the kit gave is if you're not seeing any fermentation after a certain period, do the stirring. And then if it's still not fermenting after 24 hours, then basically call them because either the kit's faulty or you did something totally wrong. <laughs> and you also, the first time you took the hydrometer reading, you used a cylinder the graduated cylinder, but then the second time you did it, when you had that before issue, I siphoned into the carboy, when you had I, that issue, you just dropped it into the literally put your, it right into. So that. that's probably. The I spot. mean, I I sanitized that a lot too, though. Okay. James, is it what kind of house is this? What kind? What kind of house is this? <laughs> They're constantly sanitizing things. True. Anywho, that's my wine trail for all you out there who care. And also, then, I do know that we spelt Riesling wrong in our reel. <laughs> oh, okay. Shannon is very mad about that. Okay. James asked me to do one thing and I can't even spell right. And because <laughs> Instagram doesn't let you spell check and it's very frustrating. Yeah. At least on your reels. Okay. So everyone I, I know. I before E except after C, Shannon. Thanks, elementary school, James. But I just want to say, <laughs> I, I do know how to spell. Bi- she's very bitter about the spelling of Riesling. <gasps> James, it's what okay. have you got on tap? <laughs> I'll let you cool off a little bit as you're drinking your wine. Well, two new beers. The Kolsch, which I was conditioning, I believe the last episode, is on tap. And I must say, for a first recipe, not to toot my own horn, but this one but is he will. great. It's really good. Um, it's crystal clear. It's fantastic. I think because, again, I let it condition and I let it settle th- nicely. That it, At first, it was pretty cloudy when I did my first sample of it to see if it was ready or not and it was pretty cloudy so I, I let it sit in the keg for maybe an extra week or two and that made a huge difference in basically the clarity of the Kolsch and again I would I wouldn't compare it to the really solid German style Kolsch's that are out there but I think for a first take on a Kolsch such a very technical beer I think again I'm getting more appreciation for the blondes the Kolsch's the uh, Pilsner's because you can't hide things in those beers there's not a lot of hops in there so you can't just throw more hops at it more aroma you can't really do much to it once it's already there and that one landed at five percent beer Um, it's crisp it's clean Um, we'll see we have a neighborhood block party where we'll be serving it up along with a rye ipa and again another beer i'm super excited about first rye ipa i've ever made when i tried it uncarbonated it was pretty fantastic (laughs) for being a flat beer that wasn't not gonna toot your own horn not gonna toot my own horn but that one was 7.9 percent so that one i could i could I could feel the alcohol in that one a little bit. So I'm curious to see once it's carbonated, which it's carbonated now, we'll be serving that up as well, how that bitterness in that kind of alcohol forward flavor is kind of balanced out with the carbonation. Yeah, so our neighbors better be prepared because we're coming in hot. We're coming in We've got in two hot. beers and a wine. Two beers, 
Two beers and a wine. Perfect yeah. pairing. Two beers and a wine. Coming at you. Well, I'm excited too because I don't think I've tried either of those. And on top of that, our homebrew shop hooked us up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> with a jockey box, a three tap jockey mm-hmm. box to demo out and to see how it performed. To test it, yeah. To test it out. And so I'm super excited about that. So thank you, Charlie. Blackstone Valley Supply, mm-hmm. Massachusetts. So Yeah, it's very excited. It'll make I'm it so a little excited. easier than last year we were carting. I mean, last year I literally <laughs> put my kegerator on a dolly and wheeled it yeah. down the neighborhood, yep. plugged it in, and again, it was it worked out perfectly because I just had one beer on tap. But this year I'm like, go big or go home. It's been a tough year for a lot of people. So I'm like, you know what? Let's. I want to get, again, real-time feedback. Mm-hmm. And they're brutally honest, and they... <laughs> drink my beer too so it's like a win-win because i know that i'm going to get honest feedback and i don't have the pressure of if it's bad then you're going to turn away customer Mm -hmm. potential customers again another great thing about home brewing like just being able to brew it people enjoy it have a good time yeah speaking of home brewers we're always looking to have home brewers on our show yeah shannon get it (laughs) So if you are interested in coming out and telling your story, or if you're doing something that's a little bit out of the ordinary, not the typical homebrew story, feel free to send us a direct message on our Instagram at Double Hot Beat Podcast. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe, and follow us on Instagram. That's key. Follow us. And that really helps us reach new listeners and to broaden the community. And we have a lot of good things coming your way. So the more followers we get, the more listens we get, the better it will be. And thank you to all those countries out there that we're trending in right now <laughs> uh, abroad. So you, United States, let's pick it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, come on, guys. Come on, guys. Guys and gals. Come on, guys. Well, thank you again for listening to this week's episode. This has been, been Double, Double Hoppy. Hoppy. Catch, Catch you on, on the Bruce side. side.